we get started tonight. I want to say it was good to see Jeremiah up here Amen. Uh, Amen. playing these drums. I'm good, dude. Now, what y'all don't realize is that back in the day, I was in the trenches with Jeremiah, and, and I was a part of that right there. And Jeremiah and I would come in here on Sunday afternoons, and, man, we would just practice and just practice and practice and practice. So it was good to see uh, good to see him out here playing these drums and good to see him uh, doing well and good to see all of you here this uh, tonight and just being blessed and just good to be in God's house. Amen. So if you guys seen the post... I said that we were coming back to our study guides. Everyone got their study guides? All right, some of you. It's not mandatory, but I do want to try to finish what we started this morning because we started something good. And whatever the Lord starts, he finishes, right? Amen. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. And that'll complete part two, and then we'll go into part three. But I, I, we can we can start with that right there. Second uh, Kings nineteen one through four. I want to dig on something real quick, you know, as we get into this, and um, this is not going to have to do directly with this. Um, my kids were gone today, and they're at Grandpa's house, and um, I don't have many moments in my life that are silent, okay? Not many. So today, um, when I was by myself, I was just really doing some reflection. I was doing a lot of thinking, and um, I was digging. I was doing a lot of digging within myself, and I uh, I think sometimes, you know, when we go through stuff, it's just life, you know, life. Life has a way of just really wearing on you, and and there's no, it's no joke what we go through and what we deal with on a daily. There's no, it's no joke. So today, as I was just reflecting on the Lord, I, I kind of let some things go, you know, because it seems like there's always something, well, I call it mandatory. Your mind always floats to what's mandatory. You know, you always got something that's crucial that's going on. But not very often do I just get in a place where I just become thankful. I'm just just thankful. I was, and I'm not even really talking about, I, I didn't have my hands lifted. I didn't, I wasn't really doing anything special. I was just digging and reflecting. And I began to dig deep down inside myself and to think about the things that the Lord had been doing and had done. And I know, because <laughs> I've done it in the past, and it's always been a blessing to me. But it's funny how easy it is to forget how great it is to dig on the blessings of God. And just to think, and to be thankful for what I have right now, where I'm at. Mm -hmm. It's easier to complain about the situation. It's easy to complain about financial status. It's easy to complain about bills. It's easy to complain about health status. It's just easy to complain about those things. And I really, I got to thinking about all of that, and I really become enormously thankful for everything that God had done. And I just kind of let myself go, for lack of a better way of saying it. I just kind of let myself go. 
and I just, I wept, and I worshiped, and it was not in a traditional way, but it was good. Yeah. It was real good. I encourage you tonight, if you haven't done that, if that's, I mean, and I, I, I'm talking that it's more than just a thank you, it's digging, it's digging, it's putting some stuff aside, I was like, you know what, it's kind of like when you dig, how many of you have ever done some digging in your yard? It's kind of like digging, you know, when you dig, you get some rocks. You got to get the rocks out of the way before you can continue the dig. So while I was thanking the Lord today, I had to get some rocks out of the way. And literally, like, pick them up. It's like, no, I need you to move over to the side for right now because there's no way I can really be thankful unless I get the rock out of the way. I got the rock out of the way, one or two of them, and I just started digging. And I just started being thankful. I said, man, how did I get here? How did I get here? Look at, and I'm looking back, I'm thinking, Man, look how far you've brought me. Look at all that you've brought me through. Look at how, how patient you've been with me. Amen. How many times you've been merciful to me. How many times I did not deserve a second chance, but here, yet I'm still getting more chances, and you're still being patient with me, and you're still teaching me. Amen. I've become very thankful. Very, very thankful. I think it's good for God's people to become and to stay in a state of being thankful because it... it, it uh, it keeps reality in check. You know, every one of you, I don't know what y'all are going through. I don't know what y'all are dealing with. I'm sure it's drama. <laughs> By any sense of the word, I'm sure it's drama. I'm sure y'all are dealing with something. But even in the midst of your drama, we can still be thankful. <laughs> you get a heart of thankfulness, you're, you're, just, you're a couple clicks away from praise and worship. You're just a couple clicks away. Heart of thankfulness, though. But I believe it starts with that. I really do. So... Anyway, just kind of throwing that out there. All right, uh, we're in part two of our uh, in our study guides, and I do. I want to finish this because I really feel like there's some great stuff in here. Uh, I want to till some ground. I said this morning as we were ending. Uh, if you got if you've got your books, uh, there was a statement that was written, uh, said in this last sentence here. It said, "Truly, if measured only by human strength and potential, Judah held no chance to defeat." King Sennacherib, always that name blows me away every time, Sennacherib and the Assyrians. And we were saying this morning that, that judging by human potential, by human means, there was no way that they were going to win this battle. I mean, just judging by that itself. Human potential, human means. And we said that often God will allow us to get ourselves backed against the wall so we can ultimately turn it around and trust him. Remember that? Amen. Well, I got to, you know, think about human potential and think about what you're capable of in the midst of spiritual situations. I got to thinking about this. You think, well, you know, I've always heard so many speeches that, you know, people are, are, are capable of great things. Yeah, you are. But when it comes right down to spiritual matters, without God, you're not capable of anything. Amen. Come on. And so... When you're gauging human potential in your situation, you don't really have a lot to work with. You just don't. You don't have a lot to work with. The crazy thing about it is, is that it takes us getting our back put up against the wall to finally get it. How many of y'all been there before? I mean, it's like, you know, I got this, I got this, I got this. The back's against the wall. All the chips are down and you're like, oh, I don't got this. <laughs> I don't got this. Actually, not only do I not got it, I'm about to blow it. Yep. 
And God will allow us to get in a situation and really cornered. I like to look at it as cornered because you think you feel a little bit helpless when you're cornered. It's like, man, I got nothing else to do. God allows us to get our backs in those situations and allows us to be in that situation to come to the full realization that you absolutely do not have it in yourself to get it done. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Probably, you've heard me say this. Pastor said this. We've said it, we've said it many times, for lack of a better way of saying it. Some of the best times you will ever have spiritually are realizing that you never were enough. When you're just maxed out. You're like, I can't take anymore. Blessings on you. Some good things are about to happen in your world because you finally come to this realization that you can't handle it. It's not on you to do that. Um, I don't know really, I can't really tell you all of the details, but it's it's really where in my own personal life where uh, I learned to get past depression and anxiety, to go past it, to go past um, things that were going on that I had no control over. I did not realize, it took me a long time to realize that I like control of certain things and, and control makes me feel comfortable, insecure. Control. I like things lined up. You can ask my wife. I'll say, hey, what are we going to be doing about this, this, and this? And she'll say, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's a little ways off. And I'm like, ah, no. I like to know A, B, and C before they happen. So much to the fact that, that, and I'm pretty sure probably some of you are like me, we like to try to control the situation. Not that we're control freaks or anything, but man, we got a sense of security when we can predict what is about to take place. We like that. We don't like unpredictability. We don't like to have it kind of up in the air thinking, you know, am I going to have a job tomorrow? You don't like that feeling, do you? It's lousy. Or what might happen the next day? I don't know. It's taken quite a bit of time, and I've not mastered it yet, but it's taken quite a bit of time to get to the place that I don't necessarily have to have that anymore. I just, God, whatever you're going to do here, just do it. Just do it. I realize a lot of, of the problems that I was having was created by me. Can anybody say Amen. amen. We create our own problems. Amen. I'll talk about the enemy here in a minute. But we, we, uh, we need to be put in these type of situations so we understand that this is not about us and this is about him. Pastor, I think you mentioned that this morning. It's not about us. It's about him. That's probably one of the best revelations. I, when I was reminded of that this morning, man, that was powerful. Hey, I just want to remind you this ain't about you. Thank you for reminding me. Yep. Because I needed that. And that was a strong one. Okay. Moving on in the lesson. Clearly, King Hezekiah recognized that this crisis was ultimately rooted in spiritual issues. Satan, would you bring me my glasses? I think they're back there. Sorry. Spiritual issues. Everybody say spiritual issues. Spiritual issues. Rooted in spiritual issues. So, thank you. Yeah. So, being in... Living in life and living in this world, all the, you know, day after day, sometimes we forget that a lot of the times what we're dealing with are spiritual matters uh, manifesting themselves in physical form. And we forget that. And, and I get it. I mean, there, there's really, it sums up in two things. And I'll just say, I'll put it this way. There are other ways to chase this thing, but I'm going to say it like this because it's easier to understand. There's really two ways it works out. Either you make better decisions and it directly is connected to your bad decision making or there's a spiritual thing going on, and you better get down to spiritual business in order to get it taken care of. There's really only two things. 
I mean, I can listen to somebody talk about a situation. I'm not saying I know it all. I don't. But after all these years, I can pretty well tell you whether it's a spiritual matter or just a bad decision making. You pretty well figure it out pretty quick. They say, yeah, you don't need prayer. You just need to wise up. <laughs> yeah, you don't need anything extra there. You just need to you know, make better decisions. Or you made a series of bad decisions, and this is why you are here. No? Yeah, maybe the devil has attacked, you know, uh, what's, what's it called? Um, it was uh, by proxy. He's taking advantage of your situation. So we automatically think, well, the devil is the cause of the whole thing. No, it's just, you know, you just made some bad decisions. He took advantage. He's an opportunist. He'll jump on that opportunity every single time you give it to him. So it's either one or the other. Either it's spiritual matter or it's just decision making. So King Hezekiah recognized that this crisis was ultimately rooted in spiritual issues. As a result, he knew that Isaiah... The great and influential prophet to the kings would have a message for the king at this monumentous time in history. Perhaps the Lord had heard the vile message of Rabshakeh and indeed of Sennacherib himself and would enact judgment upon Assyria as punishment. It is true that Hezekiah had restored the worship practices among the people back to the standard prescribed law, or prescribed in the law. Okay, that's a good thing, right? And we, we talked about that this morning. However, the king may have fallen short in the way in which he had pursued relations with other nations. So we said it this morning. So the, there were some things that he did okay, but there were also some things that he didn't actually fulfill and do right. You could say there were some things he was told to do and he did them, but there was also some things that he was told to stay away from. He didn't stay away from them. Can you not see yourself in that? Amen, come on. I mean, and it kind of put him in a, in a predicament. Uh, if, there was, if there was anything that, you know, this morning's message said to me was, you know, if it's going to be, if you're going to make a decision to serve the Lord and to live for him, then just do it and do it with everything you got. Everything, everything that you got, you serve him. Be a servant. From, 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 from one end to the other, be a servant and do everything you can to please him. When you do that, then you're successful. But see, what had happened here is he was kind of caught in the middle. He was doing some things right, but he's doing some things wrong. I personally don't want to have to stand before the Lord in that state. Pastor, you mentioned this morning, you said, you say something to the effect of welcome in good and faithful servant. And I thought about that. And I thought, I want to hear that, right? But then I thought, what if I come and stand before him and I could just see him, and this is just in my mind's eye. I see him standing there and I walk up to him and I'm ready. And he's like, Tanner, have a seat <laughs> and I just play this out of my head and I'm thinking no this is not you know I, you know there's a conversation I don't know if I'm maybe this isn't all bad maybe it's not all good but I just seen the guy in front of me get welcomed in and he asked me to have a seat this may not be this may not be the best situation and I'm saying that because we don't need to be caught there we don't. I, mean, I, I can't even tell you the way my heart was echoing this morning of, of how serious of a situation that we're in. How, how serious of a situation we're in. That souls are at stake. Your own soul is at stake. And, and it still blows me away how much I don't take the things of God as serious <coughs> as I should. I, I don't understand it. I can't even, I don't, I can't even get myself around it. 
to understand why we act the way that we do. And I say we, and it may not be you. Maybe it's just me. But to treat the gift that God has given us so lightly and then just be expecting heaven. Heaven, here it comes. And I'm thinking, no, I think he's fixing to tell me to sit down and we're going to have to have a nice long talk about all the talents that were given to you that were not utilized correctly. It's like, hey, listen here, boy. Before you come into this place, we need to have a conversation. Now, I don't want it to go like that. I want it to I want to see that he's, whether it be, and I'm not adding to what Pastor said, if it's five talents, ten talents, hey, you doubled them. Come on in. But what if it wasn't like that? What if there was a couple left over that I never utilized, you know, that we didn't quite get the way that we needed to? So anyway, um, there, there are, uh, the, the issues obviously are rooted in, in spiritual things, uh, but there were more things going on than just that. All right, so perhaps... He had been too much like Ahaz, seeking human wisdom, a military force to confront an enemy. Perhaps he had gotten that, forgotten that God wins the victories over the enemies of his people. But now Hezekiah clearly recognized the problem that he and the nation faced. And so he asked Isaiah to seek the face of God on their behalf. And I thought that was really good because the lesson kind of throws a couple different angles there. Some that we should really consider when he said... Um, he had been too much into seeking human wisdom and military force to confront an enemy. Um, in, in the, I can't remember where it says it at exactly. In last days, there would be a vast increase in knowledge. Pastor and I have actually conversated about this. I'm pretty convinced that's the ease of knowledge. You know, picking, being able to pick up your phone and, and access any kind of knowledge that you want at any time. I'm pretty sure... At, at the root of it, it's the internet. That's just me, though. But often, because information is so accessible to us, it's easier to trust the information than just to trust God. Mm. And I'm, I'm just being honest. I think that's a struggle for, with the church right now. I believe that's where a lot of faith is gone. I believe that's why we don't see a lot of the things that we would like to see. It's because the other things are too accessible. It's too easy to come by. And... You've also heard us talk about this before. There's going to have to be a bit of a reversal in order to come back to a place where our faith is actually being used. Let me, let me throw this out here. So when you have a problem or you have a situation, um, when I come into a situation that I, I feel like I can solve, I immediately Google it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> And I Google that thing. Now, I'm not saying that you hadn't found some valuable information, something that really was, you know, that you could utilize. But I Google it, and I Google it again, and I Google this, and I Google that, and I just Google myself into the dirt with just more information and more information and more information. And so when I'm really up against a trial, a trial, I'm not just talking about who won the game last night. I'm talking about a trial. You're up against something that's really and we'll get on, and we'll try to Google this thing. <coughs> and it's like, well, hold on a second. And if we identify something as a trial, a trial, true trial, it's something in a spiritual plane. You with me? It's on a spiritual plane. If you can identify that the enemy is trying to block you or to try to keep you from progressing, there's nothing on Google that's going to answer that for you. But... What has happened is we've got our information reversed. 
We're trying to take something out of the physical and solve a spiritual problem when only spiritual things solve spiritual problems. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful about understanding what plane we're on. What plane we're on. What am I dealing with here? What am I up against here? And so he said he maybe, maybe it was possible he had, was seeking too much human wisdom. He was seeking too much uh, of of leadership from somebody else, maybe your military force, maybe you've got something that we can utilize here. I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty. I have no, no shame whatsoever in telling you that I've been guilty of this thing right here. Because what we try to do, because we're hardwired to do it in our flesh, we want to outsmart the situation. I can beat this. I can beat it. I can figure it out. I can figure it out. Man, I'll tell you, church, and I'm just being completely honest with you, I, I have Googled stuff for years trying to figure certain things out, and I've still not come up with an answer yet. And now I'm thoroughly convinced it was never meant to be figured out on Google. It was meant to be figured out in the spirit realm. Amen. And God has never allowed me to find that answer that way. If you found it, what would that say? If you really found the answer to the spiritual issues that you were dealing with, you found them on Google, and you were like, ha, I got it, then what need would you have of God? And I mean, this is a, it's, it's kind of a scary world that we're living in now where that has become the reliant thing. And, and whoever that is out there in the metaverse or whatever, they want you to rely on that. But that's not where we get our answers. I get my answers from the Word of God. Amen. An old-fashioned book. Mm -hmm. I heard somebody say this the other day. It's actually pretty good. He said, he said, that's not a book. That's a library. It's a bunch of books. I said, hey, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Said that thing's like an encyclopedia of information, front to back. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way to look at it. And so we need to make sure that we're not out of balance in our spiritual lives trying to take on spiritual issues by trying to uh, grab something out of the physical realm and put it in the spirit realm. It doesn't work that way. Everything that you believe in spiritually will manifest itself physically. If you believe in faith, it'll manifest itself physically. But I think sometimes we're trying to flip it. Like, I want to grab something out of the physical and we'll put it in the spiritual realm. It definitely don't work that way. Anyway, let's keep going. So, <clears throat> but now in this last sentence, but now Hezekiah clearly recognized the problem that he and the nation faced, and so he asked Isaiah to seek the face of God on their behalf. <laughs> it's like, we need some help, uh, spiritual brother. Can you please pray for us? We need some guidance and leadership. Probably needed this a long time ago. But only when it's down at the end. Now, coming from being in this position, so to speak, or however you want to term it, you know, um, John and I have had a lot of good conversations about this, and I've had conversations with other pastors, ministers, leaders uh, from other churches, and we all see the same stuff. We all seen the same stuff. And that when there's a problem, the congregations are thicker. But when things are at ease and things are at peace, there's a whole lot less people. But what we have noticed this time around, I'm talking, and, I'm, and what I'm, when I say this time around, let's go back to 9-11. And what happened in the churches at 9-11? Man, they were filled up every faith that there was. There was people, there was Catholics joining hands with Pentecostals 
and Pentecostals joining hands with the Church of Christ, and everyone was bound together with one purpose and one cause, seek God's face for our nation, which is a great scene. But what we were talking about was is that our backs are against the wall, but we don't see the same response anymore. It's like, do we not realize that we're in a situation right now? I mean, this is like a serious situation, but we don't see a response. People are not coming in like they used to. Now, you may say, well, that, does that really matter? Well, no, not necessarily. But, but we also believe that what is going on here as far as the attendance is evidence of spiritual conditioning and what's actually going on in the spirit realm. You can see it. It's just, man, it's a gauge. I mean, I've, I put these sticky traps in people's houses. And it kind of tells me what's going on when I come back around every three months and I'll check those traps and I can kind of tell you what's been going on in the house by checking those, what kind of bugs you're dealing with. I mean, it's kind of a gauge. You can kind of gauge the spiritual condition of people by how full the church is. You can kind of gauge it. I didn't say you could judge people. I said you can gauge spiritual condition. Judging by the spiritual condition... Of, of the way our churches are not he, just here I'm talking about everywhere there's something that's going on and it's not that great there's a struggle there's, a, there's something going on in the spirit realm you with me? There's something going on in the spirit realm something we should pay attention to something that should alert us something that should healthy, healthy wise should op, uh, open our eyes wake us up shake us a little bit bring us into attention to recognize that we're in a fight. We are in a fight. Amen. And these things that we're dealing with are real. Okay, i got to keep going. All right, so he sought the face of God on their behalf. Let's go to section three. Almighty God responds. You know he's going to respond, right? I mean, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna respond. That's him. He always does. So King Hezekiah was rewarded for his trust in God. Isaiah had a message for him and the nation. They need not be dismayed nor intimidated by the blasphemous words of Sennacherib or his underlings. This is, this is God's word to them. He said, you ain't got nothing to fear. Don't worry. I got you. Now, that's a, in their day and time, this was a very, very big deal. When the priest came, because they were all, it was all hinging on what the priest said. Because the priest could come and say, nope. He says, no, everybody's going to die tonight. And that man, that was, they knew it. It was going to happen. But that's not what he said. He said, don't worry. I've got this thing under control. Everything's taken care of. Instead, they could find hope in the Lord for God would intervene on behalf of his people. Sennacherib's flight would not be because of the might of God's people, but because of the saving actions of the Lord himself. Now, this is what I like because we're going to get into a part of this uh, as we come to the end of this lesson, one of the things that I like about this the most, and it's that we see God act on behalf of his children with nothing required on their part. Now that you think, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you can think about um, some of the great works that God did. He would ask them, he's like, okay, I need you to, to do this or to do that, and it would key it off. It's just like a lot of the things, the times that when we pray, and I love this because this applies to us so well. Think about your prayers. Think about the times that you've asked God for things. 
Don't you, I mean, we sometimes we get confused about the faith without works is dead thing. So we always think that we're supposed to do something to get it to work. It's almost like we're plugging in every slot we can find to activate God. Come on, tell me you ain't done that. It's like, okay, I'm going to plug it, plug it, plug it, plug it. He's around here somewhere. I'm going to hit the right, the right frequency. I'm going to hit it at the right time. And, and God's just going to show up. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. And, and, and that's that what we see here is that God does something for them that I think many of us many times need to take, take knowledge from is that he said, let me have it. Let me have it. Now, let me tell you what that means to me in my own personal life. When God says, let me have it. Now, that means you still make good, wise decisions. You still continue to do the things that you've been doing because it's consistent and it's good and it's healthy. But when he says, let me have it, I stop thinking about it. That's yours now. That's yours. You said, you said, let me have it. Now I'm going to walk away from it. I'm not going to put my hand in it. I'm not going to interfere with you. You don't need my help. But when you say that, that's probably one of the hardest lessons to learn is that God doesn't need our help. Amen. He don't need your help. And I think that that, I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody in here. God doesn't need your help. And I don't know, maybe you've been trying to keep plugging in that slot. You've been trying to find, it's like, okay, I'm going to plug this thing in. I'm going to pray a special prayer. Somebody special is going to pray over me, whatever that means. Um, some Somebody that I really admire and, and, and trust in the Lord is going to pray and agree with me. And it's just, man, it's going to work. So far, you've tried everything and it hadn't worked. Because God says, it's just you and me. Just you and me. Now, I've told you that before. I mean, I've, you know, when your back's against the wall, it's one of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn. He's like, look, I know you got your family, got your church family. It's just you and me, boy. It's just you and me. I'm the only one that can get you out. You're going to trust me and we're going to ride this thing through? Or you're not. It's up to you. What are you going to do? Ain't nobody's prayers strong enough or more powerful enough. It's just you and me. What do you want to do? And that is such a strong thing to have to figure out. It's tough. It's difficult. But being in this situation that they were in and God gives them this word, he's like, hey, just let me have it. Let me do it. I don't know who you are, but just take that, please. Quit trying to plug in. You're already plugged in. Just let him do it. Let him be him. Isaiah did not reveal how that would take place. Didn't he didn't say how it was going to go down? So what I mean if he we are like I don't I really know how to put it, we're like a, addicted to the details. It's like, okay, God, you're gonna do it. Thank you. Now tell me how you're gonna do it. Because I really can't see it. Right? Everybody with me? It's like I don't really know how you're gonna pull this off. For lack of a better way of saying it, God, I just it still seems impossible to me. A part of the trust factor is being able to turn loose of the details. Mm-hmm. The part of the trust factor is being able to turn loose of the details and saying, okay, I'm not, I don't even care about the details. That's part of the trust factor. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. I don't, care, I don't care how, I don't care where you put me at. I don't care how it turns out. I don't care how much I end up with or without. Doesn't matter to me. Just do it. That's trust. Amen. That's trust. 
Now, often we don't do that, though. We're like, I trust you. Tell me how you can do it again. <laughs> I, I, I trust you. It's almost like we're saying, I trust you so far. And then we're asking God to give us more details. Why? Because we want to feel comfortable. We want it predictable. We want to be able to see in front of us. But that's not the way this thing always works. So he didn't reveal how this was going to take place, but Hezekiah knew that God would act on behalf of his people. So Hezekiah went to prayer. He had faith in God, and he was not disappointed. Isaiah gave words of hope to King Hezekiah and the people. Sennacherib's army would not enter Jerusalem or even fire an arrow upon the city, but would return to Assyria. What? I mean, this guy has been barking stuff and talking trash. We were talking about that earlier. Talking trash this whole time, saying he's going to defeat you. You know, he was, he was even coming out and saying, what, what God? Who are you trusting in? I mean, have you ever seen any, any of these other gods save their people? What makes you think your God's going to save you? I mean, this guy's been talking a big game. And so now the word has come forth. They ain't even going to do nothing to you. Uh -huh. I mean, there's nothing going to happen at all. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were pretty sure the whole thing was about to befall you? I mean, the whole thing was going to crash in on you. And you were like, there's no way I'm getting out of this without some damage. Something is going to happen. And then you prayed and you sought the Lord. And even though you didn't fully understand it, when it was all said and done, not even an arrow was fired. That's God. That's what he does. He's so good at it. Go ahead, Jim. Well, the thing is, we uh, have something bothering us and we get around and we pray about it. And then we'll have to try, we, we try to tell God how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God don't need you to tell him how to fix it. He knows how to fix it. That's right. So if you pray, leave it to God. That's right. Don't try to tell him how to do it. Mm -hmm. And don't get mad if you don't do it the way you want it. Well, I was actually going to make that point, too, because you had said that this morning. I thought that was a really good point. We've, we've got to be okay with whatever God decides. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we've got to be okay with what I call 50-50 situations. It could go either way. You ever heard that? Mm -hmm. It could go either way. You can't have a preference. you got to say, hey, whatever you want to do is, is, is fine by me. I'm going to let go. You say, but I don't want to lose my job. Well, if it turns out that way, are you okay with that? But I don't want to go this way, but are you okay if it does? I, mean, that, I really think that's what trust looks like. That's what it looks like. It's, it's turning loose. It's letting go, and it's taking back your peace and your joy. I, I don't think a lot of Christians even realize that they're literally joyless and peaceless because they think so much about everything that's going on in their life and they're constantly trying to figure it out like in a Rubik's Cube. Constantly flipping that thing around, trying to match the colors and get it all to work. And I'm telling you, this message is powerful because God is just saying, just let the whole thing go. Just I'm not even I'm not even gonna let the arrow get fired on you. Just just let it go. And it it almost feels from a physical standpoint, it almost feels like abandonment. Because that was the first emotion that I felt when I began to turn loose of situations that I had grabbed onto for so long. was that I was abandoning my responsibility to keep my eyes on them. But I found out that as the more I turned loose and the more I stepped away, the more free I got. I started to get joy back. I was like, hey, where have you been? Where have you been? I've been trying to get that back for a long time. Well, we didn't realize that a lot of the stuff that we're engaged in, it's a contradiction to the joy. It's not that you necessarily went and gave it back to the enemy. 
you did not realize that what you were involved in was a contradiction to it. So what does it do? It cancels it out. And you can't have your joy back until you give that up. Amen. You can't have your peace back until you... We want God to give us the joy and the peace despite our bad decision making. We're like, no, I'm going to go and take it all on me. I'm going to be responsible for it. I sure do feel depressed. Lord, come and get me out of my depression. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? So let me get this right. You want me to give you peace and joy while you take the load on yourself. I told you to let it go. And that's where the peace and the joy is at. But you want to take it all on and get the peace and joy too. Uh, it doesn't work like that. When if it did, if it did, it would give you the green light to do it every time. You would never go to him. We as Christians have to be very careful and make sure that we're not only using God as just a crutch to support the narrative that we want out of life. Say, I want to do this and you're going to help me. <laughs> I need you to strengthen me. For what? For service? Or for what you want? I need your power. Why? Why do you need his power? To go further with him? I need the anointing. Why? Why do you want the anointing? Are you going to do something for him? Or do we heap these things on ourselves only to get gain? Come on. I'm, I'm telling you, church, I'm not saying that you're out doing it on purpose. I'm saying that as I begin to walk backwards, and I'm not, that's not in a bad sense, as I begin to walk backwards and start to unravel some things, I have realized that I am more involved in things than I thought I was. And there are things that are stealing away the things that God has given me that I have rights to, that I have allowed to further myself, Amen. to get to where I want to go. And then I'm going to ask the same question that you know pastors ask, well, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it, is it really worth the struggle? Is it worth all that? I've, I've had some serious doubts. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm so much to the fact that I'm thoroughly convinced um, that I'll take whatever position he wants to give as long as I can keep the things that he's promised me. As long as I don't do the things that contradict him and contradict what he wants for me because he wants you, he said he, said he wants your ending uh, literally to be predictable and to be good. He wants, he wants something good for you in this life. He wants Amen. good things for you. And so what does that look like in your life? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. All right. So um, for the Lord's own honor and the sake of his promise to David, he would protect his people. That night is covenant, by the way. Covenant, because he always honors covenant, right? Mm -hmm. That night, the angel of the Lord brought sudden death to 185,000 of Sennacherib's troops. That is massive by any means. That's massive on the battlefield. Now I don't know what the, I don't know what the total number of Sennacherib's troops were. I don't know exactly what that was. Maybe it says, and I didn't see that. I don't know what his total allotment was for people or soldiers, but he lost 185,000 in their sleep. So you wake up the next morning, and 185,000 people are wiped out. I'd say that's pretty intimidating. 
<laughs> I'd say I'd say that's a wake up call. It's like if there's anything to to rattle you and to think, you know what? Maybe we're doing the wrong thing in life. Maybe we don't need to be doing this. Maybe we go back the other direction. This is exactly what they thought. Now, what did God tell them? Aside from the fact that this is, you know, massive, God told him, he said, they're never going to even fire an arrow on you. No worries. I got this. And without anything on their part, only by covenant, he holds up his end. He said, because of the covenant that I've got with your forefathers, I'm going to get you out of this. And let me and let me tell you, you no one, you're not gonna have to do anything. Just just go to bed, relax, just 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 don't worry about it. And the next day he wakes up, and the problem's fixed. The problem's fixed. It is not beside God. Let's make sure we take this in. It is not beside God for you to not have to do anything. Amen. Nothing. You ain't got to pray a special prayer. You ain't got to plug nothing in. It's called favor. And it still works today. Favor. Lord had dealt with me a while back about uh, uh, because of kingship and, and living in kingship because of who he is. And because who we are in him, we live under kingship. And when you were dealing, uh, when you were in the kingship, when you were in the family, people knew that you were a part of the family. You were royalty. And so royalty also carried with it authority and there were things that were done without even having to be spoken. And the Lord had showed me this is the same way at times even in the spirit realm. Because of who you are in him, he does things for you. You ever think about that? Just because of who you are in him, he's doing things for you. He said, oh, it's my child. I'm going to take care of that. But here we are worried and distraught and scared and upset. God, are you really going to come through for me? Are you going to take care of me? And God's like, I was already getting this thing worked out before you even asked me. It's not on you to figure it out. It's on God. So he says, so, he, so it's the sudden death of 185,000 of Sennacherib's troops. The rest of the army awakened to find themselves surrounded by corpses. That's disturbing. <laughs> That's got to be rough. Oh, one can only imagine the terror that erupted. I can't imagine. I really can't. But, I mean, you talk about a strategy. This is one in a million. I mean, if... Now, think about if you're, you're a part of the party that's about to be attacked. If you could have imagined anything in your mind, I mean, anything at all, to be the rescuer, would you have imagined something like this? No. No. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because that's exactly the way God works today. You think you concoct all of these scenarios in your mind. Scenario people, raise your hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll get all these scenarios in your mind as to if this happens or if this happens or if this happens. And you're like, you calculate, calculate. No, no, it's not going to work. This would have never came into their mind. Never. And it happened. That's the way God works. He shows up. He does something, and then he goes back to doing what he was doing. That's, that's God. That's God. All right, so King Sennacherib immediately returned to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. I'm thinking, I'm thinking he probably wakes up and he's like, I don't know what we're dealing with, but we're not staying here any longer. This is bad. Even the secular history uh, records that 
about 20 years later, the remainder of this prophecy was fulfilled on October 20th, 681 BC. King Sennacherib was murdered by two of his sons in a coup that left another son as the new king. Uh -huh. While God may seem to tarry, his plans are ultimately accomplished. He said, I told you I was going to do it. And that was, that was the word that actually went forth. Now, it took 20 years to finish that part of it. Now, the bulk of it was done. But when God says, I'm going to do something, he's going to do it. When God says, I'm going to do this, he's going to do it. So, what has he spoken to you? What did he tell you that he was going to do that you're wondering about? Start going back and start considering some of the things that he's spoken to you in your life. And you're thinking, man, it's been 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And I, man, I forgot all about that. God's still faithful. God's still faithful to do what he said he would do. Not only is he faithful to do what he said he would do when he speaks something to you individually, but he's also faithful, of course he's faithful, always faithful, to keep his own word. Amen. Always. And you can go to his word at any time you want and derive hope of those promises from the things he's spoken. I mean, that's where our comfort's at. But, you know, if it's you just trying to kind of fight it on your own and you're kind of trying to, you're still trying to manhandle the situation and trying to take a physical thing and solve a spiritual problem, it's going to be a struggle, church. You're going to struggle with this thing from, from morning till night. Now, sometimes we just got, I mean, I know this seems like a cliched thing, but get a hold of this. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Sometimes you just got to turn loose of it. Amen. I'm done with that stuff. I'm done. I don't mess with that thing no more. Amen. Well, we, we, <clears throat> we pray to him, and then uh, well, he's already answered the prayer before we do that because he said if we would uh, believe and have faith, we could ask anything, and he would do it. He would do it. He would do it for us. Mm -hmm. he, would, he would do it. Yep. And he don't lie. Mark 11, 23, I think. He Maybe don't lie. somewhere in there. Yeah, no, he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. So it's all right to talk to God. That's what I done. That's right. I didn't. I didn't know what didn't really what was even happening. Mm -hmm. But I talked to God. I said, God, I want to know why mm -hmm. that I prayed and, and all this that you said in the Bible. If I done all this, you'd heal me. Mm -hmm. And I want to know why I'm not healed. Mm -hmm. He told me. He told me. Yeah. He let it let it go to my mind. Yep. Why I didn't get my. Here's your answer. <laughs> and and he told me what to do and I done it and I was healed. Right. The same hour Amen. my broken foot was swelled up like that. Mm -hmm. like, in the same hour Absolutely. it had already went down to normal size and I went back to work on it the next day. With a broken foot, I could still see the crack in the top of it. Mm -hmm. But it never hurt, it never bothered me no more. Mm -hmm. He's he's always faithful to to do it in, in the the thing that, that probably gets us the most is that God doesn't give us scenarios that are easy to believe him in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you notice that yet? That's probably one of the, the things that I, it's, I don't want to call it rhetorical. That's not the right way to do it. But you've got to catch it because that is a part of your faith being tried. Amen. And every situation you find yourself in is going to be something that stretches you and that pulls you. Every situation 
is going to stretch you and pull you. If you weren't stretched and pulled, then the trying of your faith would be no good. So, I mean, if you're really in pursuit of it, then you see the value in the actual trial. No, you don't. You can't see it at the at the moment, but you you know when this thing finally wraps up, whatever that is, that the value is there to produce something in you that's of value to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's there. So, it's hard to see that. Definitely hard, especially when we're we're being stretched so hard, but. Those things are some of the best times that we'll ever have in the God spirit. God said, try me. See if I'm not Yeah, good. try me. All right, so finishing this up, uh, so he said, while God may seem to tarry, his plans are ultimately accomplished. God rescued his people, protecting his promise to David as he answered the prayers of Hezekiah. We too will face enemies that seem insurmountable. We too must remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. We can trust him for the victory. So there's an obvious theme through all of what we had talked about in this, this lesson. And, and I truly do believe that that is either for somebody or for all of us, because I definitely take from that, that you're not, you're not necessarily required to do all of these things that you've been trying to do. You've been trying to find the right, the right prayer and the right time to pray and the, all these right formulas to try to get an answer. When God is just saying, just literally, let me have it. And quit worrying about it. Quit worrying about it and just go live your life. Go live it. Now, the enemy's going to try. He'll try. Because this is just who he is. He'll try to make sure that you don't forget about it. Because that's him. He's going to make sure that he's going to throw something in your face to try to keep reminding you, hey, you don't need to forget about that. That's important to you. But we need to be in quick response. I've given that to the Lord. I'm not worried about that no more. It feeds off of your fear. Would you stand tonight? Sarah, I just feel like I I drug my feet to, to share it because Christina's in here, but she knows she was there with us mm -hmm. the whole time. So but she's our perfect example of of giving it to God. Mm -hmm. I mean we had Christina and Mason in our home for three years and three months. Mm -hmm. And at three years, we had an adoption date, and Mason wasn't part of it. Right. And so our world just seemed like it was crashing down. Mm -hmm. But when we gave it to God, and we realized, man, he has the bigger plan. Yes, he does. And he now does. we, I mean, we have such a relationship with Michelle and we still have that relationship with Mason, and yep. and we'll always be his mom and dad in a sense. Mm -hmm. But he gets that part too, and Christina still gets that part too. And yeah, and it's just, I mean, Perfect. it was definitely a daily struggle. It was a definitely a give it to God. I have to give it to God every day because mm -hmm. if not, I couldn't be the mother that I have to be. Right. And and even still to him. Mm -hmm. So I mean. Absolutely. So I just, I no, really good. feel like I, I just need to share that. That's so. good, and I appreciate you sharing that. It's a, it is a struggle sometimes. You know, we get caught in the event and the moment, and, and all we can feel is the emotions. As we close tonight, um, we all got a long road ahead of us. We got a long road ahead of you. Regardless of, of the years, you know, we think, well, how many years do we got left, Tanner? It's, it's almost at the end. Yeah, it's, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. It's at the end. But we all got long roads ahead of us. We've got our lives ahead of us. 
I believe there are, there are things that we do, fundamentals, fundamental things in the spirit realm. If we can master just the fundamental things, your life seems to go in the right direction. One of those things is letting go of the things that, that hinder you and pull you down and contradict God's word. They're not worth holding on to. Amen. They're not. Amen. So tonight as we pray and dismissal, I want you to put these things on your heart. I want you to get a hold of these things that, that you know that maybe have been a struggle to you. And maybe not, as I said, it's a long road. Something's going to come up next week. Something's going to come up next month that you're going to be required to utilize that skill, to utilize the ability of letting it go. You're not going to let it bother you that way no more. You're not going to let it hinder you. You're going to keep being effective for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your blessings. Father, I love you and I just worship you tonight. Father, you've been so good to us. You're so precious to us, Lord. And I thank you, God, for peace. And I thank you for joy. And I thank you, Father God, that we can run to you. And we can bring our problems and we can bring the things that vex us and that depress us and that oppress us, Lord, and that you're going to answer our prayers. Father, tonight I pray, God, that if there be anything in our lives, Father God, hindering us, holding us, binding us, trying to break us, Lord, I pray that we can just let these things go. And Father, I pray tonight that we realize the power in being able to let go, that it's a decision, it's a choice, and that we can choose to allow these things to be let go. Father, I pray tonight, Lord God, that we garner more faith and more trust in you, that we may feel helpless by letting go. We may wonder where it's all going. We may doubt what comes tomorrow, but Father, I pray, I pray we put our trust in you. I pray we put our faith in you for tomorrow. I pray that we stop trusting in government. I pray that we stop trusting in our money. I pray that we stop trusting in, in, in what's in this world and the things that hold us up. Father, I pray that we stop trusting in these things and we trust fully in you. Thank you for letting us be here tonight. Thank you for the people of Rock Harbor Church. Thank you, Father God, that we can come here week after week, Lord, in fellowship and in worship and in praise and hearing the word and, Lord, and just loving you. Father, help us to love you more and to worship you more. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You're dismissed.